Welcome to the Conscious Living Show with your host, Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce, and her husband, Dr. Mark Pierce. The health of your sex life reflects the health of other aspects of your life. While this may not be the only factor, it certainly contributes to the degree you'll enjoy a well rounded, healthy, happy, sexy life. Now, here is Dr. Nancy and Dr. Mark. Well, good morning. You're listening to the Conscious Living Sexuality Show, and Mark and I are here uh, to talk to you this morning about one of our near and dear topics to us, and that is about sex education. I I just love the effects that you're having on some uh, teenagers with sex education. Uh, Tell us about that recent experience you had in Carpinteria. I was invited to come speak at a high school. I actually was invited twice. Uh, I got to go talk to seniors and also freshmen. And I I did deliver a different message to each group because I really wanted to create a – uh, an age appropriate and uh, you, know, you can see that the freshmen were more like deer in the headlights and the seniors they were more engaged and they had a lot more questions and they had very specific things they wanted to learn about which was so refreshing to me so curiosity was definitely there very high very, very high. high yes and did you feel like you were successful in reaching these kids i did i got some really incredible feedback afterward they wrote and we i even got feedback from parents uh thanking Uh, me for taking the time to come and talk so honestly because one of the main things I spoke about was consent and that that isn't necessarily a part of the sex education conversation universally. So you talked more about uh, in sex education you talked more than just about the genitalia then. Yes (laughs) you know I actually didn't talk a lot about the genitals. <laughs> I, I think it's great that you talked a lot about relationships. That was the primary and, focus. And I think this it, it echoes back to your the, the name of your show, Conscious Living. Yes. And parents do struggle with educating their children about sex. Why, why do you think they struggle with this? Part of it is they're uncomfortable with the topic. They have a lot of their own judgment or shame around it that perhaps they haven't worked through yet, whatever upbringing they were they were experiencing. Uh, they, they haven't processed it enough, and they certainly haven't looked for better education or even some of the great teaching tools that are out there to help parents talk to their kids about this. It's interesting because parents are faced, uh, they have their memories of themselves dealing with this very problem and how they dealt with it. So it's it's very interesting that they have such a quandary of how to approach it. And, oh my, yeah, they're so to, squeamish. How to improve it yeah. when, when they had their own needs and they would have their own awareness of how those needs were met at the time they were growing up. Yeah. When I, you know, I get a lot of questions from parents and one of the questions I get is, when should I have the talk? And... I say, well, how, how old is your child? And they say, well, my child's nine. And I say, now. Then if they say five, I say, now. <laughs> as soon as you're thinking about it, probably there's questions coming up or questions you have or you're put in uncomfortable situations and you want to have some tools to be able to talk to your kids appropriately. One of the nice things about starting early is one of the biggest concerns. If I start talking about sex, I'm going to be encouraging my 
teenager to have right, sex. Right. <laughs> so if you start when they're five, you're probably safe. Yeah. <laughs> and then that way you can get more comfortable with the topic because it's not yeah. only, uh, even though uh, a parent has experienced this when they were teenagers, they've never experienced it as a parent. True. And so they're, you know, we're always doing all these first time things. And the sooner you start, the better off you are with the whole process. So that's well, and all the parents that are parents right now weren't raised with the internet, and so they are perhaps unaware of what their kids are actually being exposed to on a daily basis and what they have access to if they're curious. And so it's a it's a whole nother level, you know. When we were kids, if you could sneak somebody's Playboy. Or even uh, uh, um, National Geographic, you know, you might see a naked boob, you might see a genital somewhere, but you certainly weren't going to get a lot of information. And now it's rampant, and it may be inaccurate. Do you, Do you know um, approximately what age uh, men and women become sexual? What would What would be your guess? I know we haven't had, we didn't look up data specifically on that. But. You mean if they have when they have sex with another person? Yes, first time with another person. Um, you know, it's probably around sixteen to eighteen. Um, that that's that's pretty typical. So most parents probably had sex when they were in high school, sixteen to eighteen. Mm-hmm. And yet, isn't it interesting that? That, that they would feel that their children might need to approach that differently. Right. And I, I've often asked parents, well, what was the downside of that for you? And many times they can't answer. And, and then you could ask the opposite, what would be the upside right. as well? And they probably would have a difficult time answering as well. Yes, yes. Because I know that, you know, obviously, you know, we, we, we're sexual from birth to death and sexual need and sexual desire and, and sexual pleasure are part of being human. <clears throat> it's the interaction and the relationships that, that I think scare parents and they're just not comfortable. They're, they're afraid, especially we still have a, a patriarchal society where we're more protective of girls than we are boys. And really, we need to be equally protective of both and equally supportive of both having a healthy sexual journey. I think it's interesting to use the word protective uh-huh. because you can turn it right around and say judgmental. Right. Well, that it can it can appear the same. <laughs> yes, yes. I think, I think sometimes we put all the responsibility for sex on the woman as right. well. And oh gosh, yes. Women are still blamed for everything. You know, they're even women are still being blamed for their own rapes. You know? So we're so we understand the problem is that is that everybody's a little bit squeamish, and one of the solutions is to start early. Yeah. And to and to just get comfortable with the conversation. Getting comfortable, and and you know, I would love to uh, start some parent groups uh, where parents could get together and have these conversations amongst other parents with a mediator, with an educator, who can really help them understand, one, what their kids' concerns are, and two, how to approach their kids in a healthy, non-judgmental way 
and lead them toward accurate information. I think that what parents need to understand is that children, as they grow up, and certainly as they start to transition into adulthood, which you know we can argue about when that's occurring as well, they look at all of the adults that they're surrounded by, and they don't always look at them in a positive or negative way. They pick and choose. Mm-hmm. They go, I like what that friend, my dad's friend did. I don't like what my mom did. I like what my dad did. I didn't like what my mom did. I liked what my, you know, they sure. they are looking at everything that we do. And then they're putting together their own pieces. So sometimes exposing them to more than just one aspect of that is, is helpful because they're going to, they're not going to do it exactly the parent's way. They're going to pick their own pathway. Right. And who says that the parent's way is the right way? Well, you know? <laughs> we have that same issue with uh, ultimately with education. And mm-hmm. perhaps that's the reason that everybody feels that they need to go to college now because that's the myth of college is that it's going to get you a better job. Yeah. And um, sometimes just a lot of debt. Yes. But children need to look around and, uh, and they do. And then they pick their pathway. And I think they're doing this with sex as well. So, so you do have to um, walk the walk and walk the talk, I suppose, too. Now, the, the, the thing that I found in, in researching for this show that was encouraging is that most parents in the United States of America really want their kids to have the breadth of education and that includes relationship education they really they they want their kids to know these things I don't I don't really believe that there are a lot of parents out there who want their kids to stay ignorant and vulnerable they really want their kids to be prepared yet we have these laws that have been enacted since our new administration that have actually pulled back on the education funding and only promoted the abstinence-only programs. And we know his from lots of data that that actually leads to more pregnancies and more STIs. And they're not even talking about consent and, uh, and a sexual assault in these conversations. With the Me Too movement, I don't know how anybody can feel like they're giving responsible education without bringing that into the conversation. Right, and it needs to be a very conscious choice. Yes, and and again, that's why um, that that awareness is so important. Yes, yeah. I mean, I think you know, uh, I mean, we've got lots to talk about today. So we've got a lot of data. Well, we've got know, a lot of great information right now. Um, of course, sex education is important, and it's important because we're we're talking primarily about teens because we know between the age of 16 or even earlier I think when it's earlier a pregnancy before 16 is always deemed to not be uh, ideal or you know right but even between 16 and 24 that seems to be the zone where pregnancy should be very conscious because it has a big impact on that woman's life yes every aspect of her life and with the advent of more control over a person's fertility uh, many women are delaying children mm-hmm. so that they aren't delaying opportunity in the workforce and being... Um, so they aren't delaying opportunity. Yes. Yeah, okay. So they're not delaying 
so that so that they have the opportunity to participate more effectively in the workforce. Yes, and they're not dependent. Right. And dependency has created a whole bunch of other aberrant problems, such as uh, relationship violence and such. So women are starting to choose that. So that zone between 16 and 24 is when sex education is. Critical time, critical time. And um, and I'd like to, uh, when we come back from the break, I'd like to back up from that and talk about the things that we need to do to prepare our kids for that age range of 16 to 24. So we want to do a shout out to Sibian for being a sponsor of our show. Yes, they, they've been definitely sex positive. Sex positive, and they're very much in the forefront of sex education. So we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we've got more talk about sex ed in the USA. Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce offers a private practice in clinical sexology, relationship coaching, and is a health, intimacy, and communications specialist. Dr. Nancy is the CEO of ELR. Empower, love, and reawaken. Dr. Nancy passionately designs and facilitates global seminars and retreats for women and those who adore them. She focuses on women's health, teaching them about their body, right to pleasure, positive body image, and loving acceptance. Connect with Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce at drnsp.com. That's drnsp.com. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the stay-dry barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. Discover, explore, and celebrate your sexy right here on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. You are listening to The Conscious Living Show. To reach the doctors or their guest on the live show, feel free to call in to 1-866-613-1612 or send an email to Dr. Nancy at drnsp.com. Now, back to The Conscious Living Show. Welcome back. You're listening to Conscious Living Sexuality, and we're talking today about sex education in the United States. The first segment was really helpful for me because it, it when I when I realized how enthusiastic the children were at Carpinteria mm-hmm. to learn the information and the, the questions that they ask, you know that they're that they are looking around and they're trying to answer these questions on their own. And so parents need to decide if they're going to help them see all the different opportunities and possibilities or whether or not they're going to only offer them one way to control their sexuality. So I think that that's that's an interesting prospect there. And something I learned is the first time I went, the kids were pretty quiet. I had them write out questions uh, 
ahead of time in writing so that I could address them. But then they afterward, they told the the teacher they they did a uh, after a review and they said they were just starting to feel comfortable <clears throat> and the class was over. And they asked if I would come back because now they felt like they could trust me and they could they could ask well, more of more important questions. Well, and and that just shows you that if parents start early, yes, and get comfortable with the conversation, yeah, that the children will open up. They they have these questions, but they're also difficult for them to ask too because this is a very personal aspect of a person's life. Right, and if they're afraid they're going to be <coughs> judged or shamed, they're not going to ask. They'll, they'll ask somebody else, and that person may not give them the answers that you would hope they would give them. Right, right. So I think when, if parents really want to guide this uh, part of their kid's life, that they need to be educated themselves so, so that we, they can do that. We've learned that children are curious, and they're going to be asking questions. Right. And getting comfortable with the topic are the, are the key concepts that, yes. uh, that we need to understand. Now... We mentioned earlier in the early, the first segment that there's uh, opportunity costs, you know, because there's that age group between 16 and 24, mm-hmm. when if a person becomes pregnant, it really changes their their whole pathway, and um, and the changes are pretty drastic. I don't think that the that there's any secret that the data is 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 yeah, does, it's, it's clear. Yeah, it's clear financially, that, <clears throat> physically, emotionally. Uh, I mean, every aspect of a woman's life is uh, actually declined by having a child in those in those years, especially if she's uh, un- unmarried and isn't isn't building a family. And that's typically. I mean, most most of the women that we're talking about are having children, unintended pregnancies. So I think that it's gratifying, <clears throat> and we know that this is true because. The rates of teenage pregnancy have been steadily declining. Mm-hmm. So this group is starting to look at the impact that pregnancy is having on them as individuals, mm-hmm. and they're making decisions that are decreasing the pregnancy, teen pregnancy rate. Right. And one of those decisions is access to birth control. Now, what what I what a staggering uh, statistic that we found was that fifty percent of the kids interviewed in high school had sex before they had any education or information about birth control. What an opportunity that that would be because as you know, you can get pregnant on the first time. You certainly can. It just takes months. <laughs> I mean, you know, unless you're trying, that it, that it probably takes more. But yeah, so so these kids are having sex before they're getting the education. So why wouldn't we want to move that education back even further to a time where maybe junior high school, these conversations need to be happening so that now they're geared with the information so that when they get into that age group, they don't have to start asking. They already know. I think that, you know, um, when children start to become sexual and we, we have that piece of data that shows that that a large percentage of them have not had any education or access to birth control, Right. we start to see the difficulty of only teaching abstinence. Yes. Because by definition, if a person's had sex without any education or birth control, 
then abstinence has failed at that point. <laughs> abstinence only education always fails. Well, I, I think, mean, it's it, it's universal that it fails <laughs> at some point in our lives, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I think there there is some data that supports that abstinence has decreased the number of unwanted teen pregnancies. It's not a high number. It was fourteen percent. That. Now, back up. So, abstinence-only education has decreased teen pregnancy? Yes. As, uh, as we look at data from 2010 to 2018, uh-huh. Uh-huh. we've had a decline in pregnancies, and some of that has been attributed to abstinence. 14% for the data that I have. Okay. So, but I don't, how can you, I don't think you can contribute that to abstinence-only education. I think when, when, if, when comprehensive sex education abstinence is discussed it's it's offered as an uh, a choice so i think that may be the link that we're missing when we just say abstinence only you don't have a choice don't have sex till you're married we're giving them all the don'ts but instead we say here's here's your body here's the reality you have a choice not to have sex that's a choice and that's empowering and I think that I was going to talk about that's that's what we're saying to our girls now. You 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 don't feel pressured. You don't have to be pressured to have sex because most girls under the age of sixteen who are having sex are being coerced and pressured into having sex. It's it's um they're feeling like if they don't, they're going to lose status. They're going to lose their boyfriend. They're going to be shamed. They're going to be they're going to be uh, exiled. So there's there's some kind of social uh, punishment for them if they if they don't have sex. And so we're now empowering our girls to say, "You have a this is your body. You don't have to do anything so, that you don't want." So the consent process is actually facilitating the abstinence only movement. I think, I think it's, it is. Uh, I, I guess when you say abstinence <laughs> only, that backs me up to that's a threat that you can't. And I think as soon as we tell a teen you can't, they want to even more. So I think abstinence, I mean, in all the data I've looked at around the world with abstinence only programs, the incidence of teen pregnancy went up and the incidence of STIs went up. And the teens were having sex earlier. I was trying to point out the paradox. That's <laughs> um, easy to get Nancy going here, as you can see. <laughs> the paradox that if if you're if you want a person to be successful with abstinence, you have to teach them consent. Yes. And if you're teaching them consent, then you you're starting to feel like you're telling them how to have sex. Right. So these parents are gonna are gonna struggle with that. Same as. You know, I'm teaching you abstinence only, but this is how you wear a condom or this is how you, Well, here's, you know. here's and I'm going to have a reality moment for parents. If you think that anything you're doing is either giving or taking permission away from your kids to be sexual, you're fooling yourself. They don't need your permission. They don't want your permission your permission is irrelevant. You know, socially, we've also divided out sexuality into a special category because children can go to a doctor, um, you know, at a very young age. age and 12. that information can be private right. from the parents themselves. Right. 
because this is such a, a tricky area to, to socially deal with. So, yes. so you're right. I mean, children are not asking permission, but they are listening to their parents and they're looking around and seeing what else is available. And a broad education is, is what we believe is the best. Yeah. But there are ages or there are areas of our country, pockets of our country that are only teaching abstinence. Right. And I think that they are having minimal success mm-hmm. and, and, and it has brought down the uh, unwanted or unplanned, I should say, pregnancies. Uh, and uh, so that's part of the solution, but it's certainly not not what we need to have occur because we have a problem <coughs> here. Yeah, um, we do. Uh, daily we hear news about uh, abortion. Right. And, and abortion is uh, such a difficult topic, and we're just hearing about it over and over and over again where different groups are pushing, trying to decide how is abortion appropriate, uh, when is it appropriate, and um, in some ways I'm kind of gratified that the religious groups have now acknowledged that abortion is appropriate. Because in many states now, in many <laughs> they, states they now, will not <clears throat> like hearing you say that. <laughs> well, no, but in many states now, they have passed laws saying that we believe abortion is appropriate if it is done before, prior to hearing a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. So thank you for acknowledging that it's important for a woman to have some control over her sexual or her body. Um, uh, you've put a certain timeline on it, but you've acknowledged that women have that right and with the laws we- that you've passed. And I, and I think that's really, really important for everybody to, to see. Yes. That, uh, and that's the... That, that, that it's, not, it's not the abortion, it's when. Right. So it's okay, it's, they're, they're, they're advocating abortion... Early. Early. Early right. abortions. And, and I think that that's... Certainly, the earlier it's performed, the more comfortable everyone is. Certainly. Certainly. Um, Now we we just need to make it accessible for women to be able to know they're pregnant very early. Well, and we we need to continue to improve on this unwanted pregnancy so that it isn't necessary uh, in the first place. We have a show coming up on that topic. Get on board and everybody move in the same direction. We We can have a positive impact. But I really do think it's great that they acknowledge that women have the right to control their bodies. Yes, I, I totally agree. Um, so we're going to take a little break here in a minute. We are gonna, we've got some other topics that we're going to talk about with this uh, sex education and, you know, h- how to get the conversation started. You know, how parents and teachers, uh, the curriculums that are happening in our country, uh, where, where it might be going, and it seems like every administration makes another shift in our sex education. Well, I've got some controversial ideas here, oh, okay. so we'll bring those up. As I well. like controversy. <laughs> that keeps me awake at night. <laughs> um, so I wanted to give a shout out to uh, a woman that's made some jewelry for me. Her name is um, uh, Layla Lar- uh, Darvish, and she does this Darvish jewelry, which is all... Uh, to celebrate the yoni and female, the female genitalia called the yoni. So this is jewelry for men. Men or women. I mean, <laughs> you can wear it. We, we would love for you to wear the jewelry that honors women. So uh, just want to give a shout out to her. And uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have some more sex ed in the USA. 
Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce offers a private practice in clinical sexology, relationship coaching, and is a health, intimacy, and communications specialist. Dr. Nancy is the CEO of ELR. Empower, love, and reawaken. Dr. Nancy passionately designs and facilitates global seminars and retreats for women and those who adore them. She focuses on women's health, teaching them about their body, right to pleasure, positive body image, and loving acceptance. Connect with Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce at drnsp.com. That's drnsp.com. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. Stay tuned in and turned on to a sexual evolution here on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. You are listening to The Conscious Living Show. To reach the doctors or their guest on the live show, feel free to call in to 1-866-613-1612 or send an email to Dr. Nancy at drnsp.com. Now, back to The Conscious Living Show. Welcome back. You're listening to The Conscious Living Sexuality Show, and today we're talking about sex ed in the U.S., and you've got some controversy, huh? Oh, yes. I always like to try to think of things a little bit differently. Yes, you do. But um, so one of the things I was thinking about is, um, you know, there is a there is a cost of becoming pregnant and we're being able to quantitate that more and more as time goes on. Uh-huh. And we can quantitate it because of uh, people who are hiring surrogates to become pregnant. Okay, that's, that's and, an interesting And so twist. we're getting more and more data on the cost to an individual to carry a pregnancy to term. And, of course, there's a continued cost raising children. But if we talk just about the issue of abortion, terming a pregnancy or completing a pregnancy, it's pretty easy to, to tally that up and understand what that cost is to that teenager for, for having an, mm. an unplanned pregnancy. Yeah. And um, and that starts to really start to impact you a little bit when you realize that most people were charged sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars to carry a pregnancy to term, and then to give that plus child, all expenses, <laughs> give that child <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, to someone else for for to be raised, and and yet uh, we punish children for making a mistake, and and then uh, are in a sense. A lot of groups are trying to make it difficult to terminate the pregnancy so that they're forced to continue. Right. And they do that for free. <clears throat> Against their will. Well, they do it for free, and then they give they the child up for, for yeah. yes, and there is actually a cost. So yeah. it would be nice if we would recognize that. And, you know, the birth rate in the United States is under sustainability. So discouraging people to have children is not in our best interest either. So, uh, in a sense, we're starting to be somewhat opportunistic with uh, all of our surrounding countries by taking the best 
and leaving them with people who are not quite as capable. You know, the, the people that come to the United States, we're trying to be very selective. So we keep our birth rate down. We need more people. We allow people to immigrate who have the best capabilities, the mathematicians from India to work on our computer systems. And we, we certainly don't want their criminals. Right. You know, so we're being somewhat of an opportunist that way. You know, now for the people who make it here, they they get to enjoy our culture and communities. We're cherry pickers, huh? Right, right. So, you know, let's uh, let's get our birth rate up to more sustainable levels to support our country and our needs. So that so I think I mean that's really an amazing point is the <clears throat> the cost. Nobody's talking about the cost to the woman who has a child that is. Um, that doesn't want to have another a child. Well, know? I think the data is is yeah. dramatic. I mean, yeah. they, they are less likely to complete their education. They're more likely to have low incomes. They're they're uh, they're in a dependent situation. And one thing we know about capitalism is that it's not good to feel dependent in a capitalistic system. Yeah. And then you can be taken advantage of. And we try to have safety nets, and uh, it was very fun to listen to Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger talk about how this is such a rich country. We should have pretty generous safety nets, and perhaps some of those safety nets need to be extended to children who have unplanned pregnancies so that they don't suffer so much of the consequences of that. Yeah, and, w- and when you look at who who these laws are affecting um, the groups of people that they're affecting, it's it's not the the um, it's not the people that can afford children. You know, it's not the people that can afford to be out of the workforce. Yeah, unfortunately, we can have sex no matter what our income bracket is. Yeah, you don't have to have a certain education level or income bracket to to be sexual, and and a lot of these a lot of these young girls, you know, twelve to fifteen who are getting pregnant, it's it's rape and it's 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 incest and it's a sexual assault that's getting them pregnant, and we still have these laws that are hugely impacting their rights to make decisions based on their bodies. uh, One of the pieces of data I came across was 11,000 completed pregnancies below the age of 14. Oh, gosh. So that's per year. (sighs) So that's probably not consensual sex. No, no. And um, and so and so, so we're, we're we're by taking away these services by closing Planned Parenthoods and and taking away this education, not talking to girls, not making this standard comprehensive sex education that includes consent and includes rights to your body, and all those things, we're we're subjecting these kids to these to. Enduring. Can you imagine a 13-year-old having to go through a pregnancy and deliver a baby? I mean, that just seems like cruel and unusual punishment for somebody that's been sexually assaulted. I wanted to go go back. You know, we we are we are we do have a large number of people who are are teaching abstinence only, and that's all that they're teaching. Right. And they're they're saying that you know you should not have sex before you're married. Right. And so another solution, another creative solution would be to lower the age of adulthood. 
So we, we need to prepare our children's to, children to be adults and in the workforce, actively taking care of themselves and living independently, perhaps by the age of 16, 16 or 17. Yeah. And that actually used to be the case. Right. And it still is in some states. A hundred years ago. Well, we can say it's legal or not. Yeah. But the reality is, is it's <clears throat> very difficult for a 17-year-old to financially make their own way. Yeah. Why is that? You know, we're, we're, we're in a crisis in this country right now because we don't have enough people working to support the people who have retired. Our, our, our working age group is, is uh, <clears throat> the numbers, the demographics. We're a little top heavy, huh? Yes, we're a little top heavy. We're living longer. And, I, of course, I believe that, that we should all be working longer, too. Yeah. And that the, the early retirements, particularly from state uh, retirement plans, are, are not a good policy. Uh, people should work until they're 65, like most private companies. But the other side of the coin is to reduce that down and uh, raise our children to be adults a little bit earlier because they're going to have sex. So if you believe that they need to be married and you're teaching abstinence only, then it's only natural that you should be teaching them to be to be an adult at a much earlier age. So really, we're giving very mixed messages to our kids. We're saying, wait to have sex till you're married. Don't get married until you're 25 or 30 and you've gone through college and you've had some life experience. How the hell is that going to work out? I, I think that's the problem is, is that they're not, they're not completing the circle and seeing that there's some missing, missing logic here. Right. Now, our parents' generation... Um, and my parents were a lot, quite a bit older when I was born, but my parents' generation, they they did ha- get married to have sex, and that's why they only dated for four months. Right. So how do we really want our teenagers to get married after knowing somebody for four months so that they can have sex legally? How how do how isn't that setting them up for? For uh, really uh, bad relationships, uh, unhealthy relationships, uh, probably divorces, um, being uh, uh, abused. Uh, I mean, I'm just seeing, I'm just seeing a whole bunch of problems with that philosophy that aren't going to work. So we're we're either instilling our kids to be serial monogamous. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm a mon- I've been married four times and I've been monogamous every single time. That does that's kind of an interesting concept. <laughs> but we're setting them up to have multiple marriages. Well, I think I think if you're setting someone up to get married early, they have to reach adulthood quicker because we know that women being dependent with men has not allowed them to live safely. True. So so women need to, and they are, if you look at the data, they are starting to become much more capable and taking care of themselves at an earlier and earlier and earlier age. Mm-hmm. And I think for their safety, we should encourage that. Yes. And, and because, Nothing worse than being financially because dependent. Because if, if they're derailed by an unwanted pregnancy, you know, what they got so far is what they're going to have. Yeah. So the sooner that they're capable, the, the better off they are. It's 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 tough to go back and get an education after you become a mother. I did it, but it was not an easy path. Now, one of the times that I kind of smiled was uh, 
when we're talking about sex education is uh, I don't remember the, what was being discussed, but there was a, a bill being discussed that was going to affect women's reproductive rights, and the committee was all older white politicians. Right. It was the Women's Health Summit, and it was all white men, old white men, deciding about women's health laws. So why is that a problem? Because they don't know shit about women's health. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they really don't. None of them have lived life as a woman. And until you've lived the life in a woman's body and as a woman growing up as a girl, you can't know the issues that we face. So legislation is fraught with all of these biases. Yes, yes. Ignorance and bias. Yeah. I guess bias would be ignorance, wouldn't it? Um, well, sometimes it's being used to their advantage. So it's, I don't know if it's ignorance, but it's certainly competitive. So it's unfortunate that we have to have to have that kind of, uh, thought process if we're just trying to come up with a logical solution to a problem that's affecting humans. Well, I wonder how, I wonder how men would feel if they saw the men's health summit and we were going to decide all the issues around male sexuality, male's health, uh, what was going to happen well, think, with your penis and your prostate. I think, and I think you should you have a summit and women should decide at what age, um, because, you know, we're worried now that as sperm ages, it becomes less effective and, and certainly may more likely to cause uh, birth defects. Maybe women should decide at what age men are having vasectomies. Yeah, I think that would be when when it's standard. I wish practice. people could see Nancy's face. <laughs> it's a happy face. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that I would suggest get a vasectomy because they're making babies all over the place and not taking care of them. That's not okay. Right, yeah. right. But I think that the idea of a group of women sitting in a room deciding about men's health should put in perspective how you felt when you saw that group of men yes. sitting in a room deciding about women's health. Yes. Why wasn't it 50-50? I mean, this was an appointed committee. It, Why it, it, wasn't it just women? All right, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to finish our conversation with you. Actually, we've got a two, one more segment. That's it. We're on the last segment. So this is Conscious Living Sexuality, and we're talking about sex ed in the USA. We'll be right back. Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce offers a private practice in clinical sexology, relationship coaching, and is a health, intimacy, and communication specialist. Dr. Nancy is the CEO of ELR. Empower, love, and reawaken. Dr. Nancy passionately designs and facilitates global seminars and retreats for women and those who adore them. She focuses on women's health, teaching them about their body, right to pleasure, positive body image, and loving acceptance. Connect with Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce at drnsp.com. That's drnsp.com. Have you checked out the Sexy Lifestyle Network? This is where people who want to know go. It's an online hub of knowledge, experience, products, and services that cater to this active lifestyle. We've got information and education about adults-only resorts, everything for your sexy lifestyle, and, of course, some great talk programs. Join the experts, guests, and unfiltered talk on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Visit thesexylifestyle.com for more information and to unlock the network. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Craving more from your sexy lifestyle? Search our businesses, services, blogs, 
articles and videos. And keep in touch with us by subscribing to our newsletter, all on thesexylifestyle.com. You are listening to The Conscious Living Show. To reach the doctors or their guest on the live show, feel free to call in to 1-866-613-1612 or send an email to Dr. Nancy at drnsp.com. Now, back to The Conscious Living Show. Welcome back for our final segment of The Conscious Living Sexuality Show. We're talking about sex ed in the USA. I think by talking about it, we're starting to make everybody a little more comfortable with the topic. It doesn't matter so. whether you agree or not. Right. It's the discussion that's important. Yes, absolutely. And, and we, we, we kind of covered some, some controversial ideas. I think, uh, you know, we see the cost of women carrying a pregnancy. And we've now seen uh, religious groups and the government acknowledge that women should have control of their body, albeit... Uh, up to an early stage of pregnancy. So there, I think there's some gains there that uh, everybody's starting to get on the same page that women have these rights. They're just not sure at what stage they're comfortable with them exercising their rights, but they believe that women should have control over their bodies and whether or not they choose to complete a pregnancy that started, just do it early. And I think that that's, that's been the message that's been coming out from some of these more religious states and, and, and senators and representatives. Um, so it's good to know where they stand. What's interesting is that we have, we have a lower birth rate in the United States, but our teen birth rate is still the uh, highest in the industrialized world. Well, I think, I don't know whether those numbers, I think those numbers reflect actually completed pregnancies. Mm-hmm. And what we need to realize and where we need to go, and there was yeah, a good article. Yeah, birth rate. Yeah. There was an interesting article in the New England Journal of Medicine, and this is the premier uh, medical journal in the United States. And it talked about how in other countries, medical abortion using medications is the primary method that pregnancies are terminated in foreign countries. Okay. Almost 80 to 90% are treated with medication to cause a spontaneous abortion prior to the 10th week of pregnancy. Okay. Almost 10% of pregnancies end in spontaneous abortion because how, uh, how complicated it is to have a pregnancy. Right. And this medication just uses that same pathway to terminate an unwanted or unplanned pregnancy. In the United States, because of access, it's only 30%. Oh, wow. So that forces people to use other methods of abortion, which are more surgical. Mm-hmm. And so I think, again, we can all agree that we're moving in a direction where, we're, where we need to be using more of these medications early in a pregnancy to uh, stop an unwanted pregnancy. Yes. I think, I think the consensus is forming. And there are ways to, to accomplish that. Uh, primary care doctors now need to be empowered to provide these medications and one of the things that I would like to see the religious groups do is support the primary care physicians in this endeavor into doing medical abortions before a heart is heard without protests or fear of their lives 
uh, in providing this service. Right. Yeah, because doctors have have become very af- well, afraid. I think the thing that's decreased the number of doctors performing surgical abortions is fear. Yes. Um, because many of them have been uh, murdered uh, on at their work, and nobody believes that that's right, but it has occurred. Yeah. And this contention and this tension has continued this this uh, process, uh, I can't get to find the right words, it's just continued the angst that we're experiencing. So we're agreeing that early abortions are good. We have the medications. The, the legislature is behind it 100%. They passed these laws saying, yes, we can. We agree it's okay to have abortions early. We have the medication to do it. Let's get it out to the primary care doctors and let's not be judgmental that they're providing this service to yes. patients who are seeing or are coming. If you're if you are protesting that now, you are going against everyone. Everyone. You know, I just thought thought of the other the other side of this is we have to stop blaming and shaming the girls who get pregnant. We forget that they had sex with a boy. And yet boys aren't being blamed and shamed <clears throat> for the pregnancy. Boys can be completely anonymous. In terms of have they don't have to seek an abortion. They don't have to tell their parents, I got pregnant. They don't have to deal with the changes in their body. I need, I need to, we, we really need to do the Facebook Live because I want people to be able to see this face. <laughs> because <laughs> oh. ladies, these teenagers would not get pregnant if they just kept their legs closed. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. You missed it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and that's that's still a common comment I see all over social media. When the, when this topic comes up, men and women, but mostly men, say, "Well, she should just keep her legs closed." Well, listen, listen, uh, parents out there, if you taught your teenagers, your male teenagers, abstinence only, yeah, we wouldn't have any. Who's knocking these girls up? We wouldn't have any unwanted pregnancies. So right. make sure you're treating, you're, you're, you're teaching the men and the women equally with the same level of judgment if you're being consistent. And consistency is really how you tell whether you're being fair. Yeah. And uh, and, and, I, I think, and I don't think it's fairly divided. Yeah, we divided. definitely have to do Facebook Live so that people can see your eyes. <laughs> when they bug out of my head. Well, you know what I say. Oh, it's uh, just aggravating. For guys. <laughs> For guys, mm-hmm. if her if you believe that, if if you if you're saying if she doesn't want to get pregnant, keep her legs closed. What do I say? If her legs are open, she wants to get pregnant. Beware! And, it's going to cost you. And men do have a form of birth control, and it also protects against STIs. Yeah. And they need to learn about this in sex education classes. Right. Yes. They need to not be embarrassed to go into a store and buy condoms. We had to give away millions of condoms because, not because they cost a lot, but because people we get embarrassed. Shame, we shame people about oh, sex. Oh, you're going to go in and buy a condom. Right. Yeah. So so the girl that goes to the doctor for the medication to, uh, to, to create a spontaneous abortion, the boy that goes to buy condoms, we still have to get over this idea that somehow sex is evil until the day of your wedding. 
and then it becomes a blessed event. So if we go what full a bunch circle. of bullshit. <laughs> Seriously. If we go if we go full circle and we go back to your sex education class in Carpinteria, or the sex education class you did privately. Yeah. Uh, for a group of mothers who who hired Nancy to meet with their daughters and to give them uh, education because they didn't feel that they might receive that at their school and they wanted to have a little more control over what they were receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, so they hired Nancy privately. I think that that's full circle. If they got nothing else from that class, it was to feel more comfortable talking about sex. Right. Let's just get more comfortable. Their parts, sex is pleasurable. People like to have it. Um, it's a natural drive. It's a natural drive yeah. and it's very difficult I mean, we can see the results. It's very difficult to to um, um, avoid. Yeah. To, well, and the, I mean, parents, churches, cultures, telling kids just say no to sex isn't working. I think I think if you if you had your first sexual encounter at the age of twenty four, go for it and and say to all of the young adults, listen, I did it. You can do it too. Uh-huh. If you had your first sex encounter intercourse at the age of sixteen, yeah, who, don't yeah who don't, are you, who are you trying to fool? Yeah, you <clears throat> don't. You really can't be judgmental or even say that. Well, and I wanted to toss this other little piece of information into the ring here because when we talk about the abstinence-only programs, uh, maybe having a little bit of an impact. What the abstinence-only programs talk about is don't have penetrative sex. That's all that they talk about because they view that as sex. So guess what? They're having oral sex. They're having anal sex first before they have PV sex so that they remain virgins, whatever the virginity bullshit thing is, and they can say they're still abstaining from sex because sex has been defined as penis into vagina sex. Well, that could either be an unintended consequence or, or more male misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's certainly, yeah, it's like the, the guys just want to put it somewhere. They don't really care where they put it, right? <laughs> Give me a hole. I'm there. <laughs> like I said, Facebook, we've got to get you, we've got to get you back on Facebook. You're missing, you're missing part of the, uh, the show. entertainment. Here. Oh, good God. Yeah. It's like, guys. You learn, go get a flashlight. I think every boy should be given a flashlight for his 13th birthday. So he has some place to put it. He doesn't have to find an apple pie or the couch cushions or a girl's body. He can, he can put that penis into a something and it'll feel good and it's completely safe and there will be no unintended pregnancy, no STI. He's on his own. I think I think men probably have figured that out. They just don't talk that much about it. That they've I think, they, I think they, male they masturbation is I think I mean, you know, we even have nighttime emissions. Well, we don't even have to try. Right, but it's but it's not working enough cuz you're still trying to poke the holes of girls. Right. Well, that's more fun. 
<laughs> it's true. It is more All right. Fun. Well, hopefully this, this show um, gave you some idea about how to talk to your kids, things to talk about, things to talk to your schools about. Look at your sex education curriculum. It's not standardized. The only thing the government is supporting right now is abstinence-only programs, and that's doing a huge disservice to our children. If, if, you are not, if they're not getting education in the classroom, look into hiring someone privately that you yes. trust to do a sex education class, break the ice, talk about sex. Yes, talk about it. Sex, 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 sex. Right. All right, we'll be back next week with another fun topic. Uh, In the meantime, uh, love more, laugh harder, and kiss longer. And be an example. Three-second rule, and be an example. And have some great sex, too. Keep it sexy. Be back next week. Thank you for joining us this week for The Conscious Living Show. Be sure to join Dr. Nancy, Dr. Mark, and their guests next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Have a healthy, sexy week in every way. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the Stay Dry Barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now.